The 321st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot, that's it, the Tar Heels are the national Champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would, I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today here to recap Carolina's win over Wake Forest um, as Carolina stays undefeated in ACC play. You're probably wondering why it's a weekend and you're just getting an audio version of the pod, but given our work schedules was just too hard for us to go live, so um, you, you, we, we just, we do just have the audio version. But with the Duke game being now a week away, we will be live next week in the middle of the week to preview the game with the Blue Devils, and of course, we'll be live that evening recapping the greatest rivalry uh, in sports as the first edition of that rivalry is right around the corner. But yeah, today, see, we give you a midweek ver- We can't give you, we can't give you too much of us live, right? Yeah. You know, you don't want to see that. I mean, we will next week, and as we get closer to the tournament, closer to March, you will see more of us. As, oh, uh, yeah, in March, you guys are screwed. It's um, literally us live all the time. You know, this is this is our time to shine, and I don't mean to brag. I don't think there's many podcasts that do as good a job as we do covering this team, getting you ready for big games, the tournament, all that. Uh, there you go. Staying all, humble. All Staying that humble. fun stuff. But um, we're here tonight to recap Carolina's win at Florida State, um, as Carolina now has run has ran its winning streak to ten games, its largest uh, or its longest winning streak since they won eleven straight games at the end of the 2016-17 season. Of course, Carolina won six straight games, won the national championship, and the first five games of 2017-2018. Um, Carolina is now nine and zero in ACC play. Their first 9-0 start since the 2000-2001 season. They would ultimately share the ACC regular season title that year with Duke. And also the win over Florida State uh, earned them a regular season sweep of the Seminoles, meaning that in every season of ACC basketball, this is the 71st, Carolina has swept at least one ACC opponent, you know, 
the most impressive streak maybe in the history of the conference, and of course are the only ACC team to do so. But it wasn't easy. Um, Carolina found themselves or found themselves down five at the half after leading nineteen to eight um, in the first half. A big run um, by Florida State, kind of you know got got them back uh, in the game. Had them taking control of the game, kind of what we saw Monday night against Wake Forest where Carolina raced out to an eight-point lead and found themselves trailing at the half. But Carolina responded as they've had all season long on the road in the second half, led behind R.J. Davis and his 24 points. Elliott Cadeau was sensational, scoring 16 points, nine of them in the second half to uh, to get Carolina Another victory against an opponent that needed a win, like a win over Carolina, to put themselves in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, we said it in the pregame, and boy, did they look like a team that knew that that was what ultimately they had to do in this game if they wanted to make the NCAA tournament. And, I mean, look, Carolina, they did a great job. They took, you know, multiple punches from this Florida State team. One in the first half where they were up, you have a missed layup by Seth Trimble, and that completely changes everything. Florida State ends up going into the half with the lead. And then, um, you know, you you talk about the second half, and, I mean, Carolina looks like they're potentially running away with the game. Um, It looks like it could be, you know, another one of those scenarios where Carolina just gets hot, they put the, they they find a way to win the game by double digits, and we're sitting here saying, yeah, Carolina didn't play their best game, but in the end, they find a way to win a conference game by a double digit margin. And yet, Florida State fights back after a possession where they get two offensive rebounds. They finish with, uh, you know, finally finish it with some check, second chance points, which Carolina gave up a lot more of those today than they have at just about any time this season. Um, and I mean, it, from then on, it was pretty much just biting your fingernails and praying that Carolina could hold on. They closed the lead to two. And at that point, I feel like a lot of us probably thought, okay, this is where Carolina's first conference loss takes place. And RJ Davis hits a, a, just a, another tough shot followed by a huge block from Harrison Ingram. And again, it's just it's the same two guys that keep showing up late in games for Carolina over and over again. Yeah, the path to get there, there are so many other guys that are involved. That that, that group can change from game to game, but when it comes to winning the game down the stretch, making the plays that you need to to get out of these places with wins, on the road in these close games, it always seems to be those two guys that are stepping up. I mean, it's 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 all about leadership and a desire to to win, and not that the other guys don't have it. I think RJ and Harrison are just the two best examples of guys that will do anything to win a basketball game. Seventeen rebounds from Ingram, tough shots uh, made down the stretch uh, from RJ. Um, and here's the thing. If Carolina would have lost, I think there would have been a reasonable uh, reason to be upset because this wasn't going to be a game where you got beaten where the team, your opponent, shot the lights out because you got back in the game defensively and you and you built a double-digit lead on the road again in the second half. 
Carolina's got to get better at closing games out. Um, and I think this and this is a problem uh, that this team has experienced, and virtually every team experiences when they get into their four minute offense because they don't run any offense. And, and Carolina—that's well, that's the problem. No, no, no. Look, they do to say they need to get better at closing games. This is a team that had won every conference game by double digits up to this point. Yeah, but come on. But you're looking. Stop. At, you're looking at it from you're getting you're you're getting fouled and you're going to the free throw line. So it's a two point game with a minute to go, um, and it shouldn't have been because at the four minute mark, and this is a problem in college basketball. Teams quit running their offense. They quit doing the things that get you in a position to build double-digit leads on the road. I get that you have 30 seconds, and I get that you want to shorten the game. I understand all those things. The podcast is aimed after a head coach that invented an offense that stalled the game out. And if you look at what Carolina does when they go into their four-minute offense, it's basically a modern version of the four corners. But here's the problem: is you eventually have to shoot the ball. You can't, you can't not shoot it. Forty-five years ago, you didn't have to shoot the ball. You can sit there and dribble it and dribble it and dribble it, and you never have to do anything. And I, I as much as I, I love R.J. Davis, as much as I love our, uh, Elliot Cadeau, they're not the best in in those moments where you dribble the ball till eight seconds is up to go in the shot clock, and you have to go make a play. And so all of a sudden the game stalled, and you're you're missing shots. They're getting blocks, and they're getting ran. You know they're they're leading to runouts the the, the other end. Um, and so I think it's something Hubert Davis has to really look at and say, if if we were great at it, you're not having any problems with it. I have no quarrels with it. Roy Williams would do it all the time, but he was doing it. We had a Marcus Page and a Bryce Johnson, two guys that thrived in those moments. That 2012 team he had four different scoring options. So it, you know you, you you they had to defend the whole length of the court. This game you didn't have to. You were really taking the ball out of RJ or uh, Elliot Cadeau's hands, and, and so I think that's a, that's a, that's an adjustment that has to be made because you're not going to get away with this for the rest of the regular season, let alone in postseason play. You're just not. And um, you were able to do it today because RJ made a tough shot, and you were able to get stops defensively. But also you got to look at it and say, well, the way that we quit playing allowed a double-digit game to not become a double-digit game. Um, and that's something that needs to be addressed as Carolina continues to make their way through this ACC season. You take a look at the box score, um, and it's not the prettiest. Uh, Carolina shot just 41% from the field, but they held Florida State to 44% shooting after shooting 58% in the first half. Um, Carolina just uh, shot 38% from three, eight of 21, and it felt like every time they made one, they were timely three-point buckets. And, and look, 38% is a really good percentage, but I also felt like just the volume that they made them and when they made them played a big role in the win today. Florida State shot 45%, nine of 20. They're the only team to shoot over 40% against Carolina uh, from three in ACC play. Um, and I believe they shot over 40% in the first game. But like in the first game, 7 of 12 in the first half, 
just two of eight in the second. So Carolina did a much better job guarding the perimeter. We knew free throws were going to be a big factor uh, because how much Florida State fouls, that was that was proven true. Carolina 19 of 24 from the foul line, 79%. But Florida State just 5 of 11 from the free throw line, 45%. Both of the losses, you look at the foul line and say – that's probably where they lost the game more so than any other category. Turnovers, big issue for Carolina. 17 turnovers led to 26 Florida State points, but Carolina forced 14 turnovers and scored 12 points off of them. Um, rebounding favored Carolina 41-32, to 25-21 on the defensive glass, 16-11 to on the offensive glass. And second chance points, Carolina 14-10. to um, And the 10, as you mentioned, were more than what they've given up, you know, per averages. I think the stat was they've given up the second fewest second chance points of any team in the country this year. But to give up that many offensive rebounds and only give up ten second chance points shows a sign that the defense still connected, still competing after not getting the initial uh, stop. Florida State's bench outscored Carolina's bench thirty-five to seven points in the paint, twenty-six twenty-two in favor of Carolina. Carolina had eleven assists of their twenty-four made baskets. Uh, Florida State had ten assists on their twenty-seven made baskets. Let's now transition to the quote of the game and. Hubert Davis spoke with Jones Angel after the win on the Tar Heel Sports Network and talked about why his team has gotten so comfortable making winning plays down the stretch. It's the same thing over and over again. It's it's the discipline and the details. Who are going to get the box outs? Who's going to defend without fouling? Who's going to get the loose balls? Who's going to def- like from an offensive standpoint? Are you going to be able to execute your plays? Are you going to make your free throws? Are you going to knock down open shots? It's very simple. And so you know, in that time, which team the discipline and the details are more consistent? And that's something that we have talked about from the start with this group that we want to be good at, and also we're having success in those situations and it's building confidence. And so in those situations, you know, all of us in the huddle, like we've been here before, we can do it again. We talk about culture a lot of times in sports and how, how important it is because your culture represents who you are on and off the, the playing surface. A lot of Car- a big part of Carolina's culture with this group is winning games when the going gets tough late. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you mentioned that a lot of these games have double-digit margins, but a lot of these games have been in the balance at the six-minute mark or the under-four-minute mark you know, left to go in the ball game. And he talked about the discipline, and I think that's something that this group, as much as any group under him, really has. They're They're a disciplined group, and they understand that you can't make the mistakes that you've made the first 36 minutes in the last four minutes, um, the rebounding and their ability to, to 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 rebound the ball after stops, a big improvement from what we saw, you know, from the first month of the season. And the thing is, is that when you do this over and over and over again, and the the ball goes your way and the and the bounce goes your way, and you're getting and you're, and you're 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 winning games, there is a confidence that 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 breeds. And this group is confident. Um, you know, and teams in the past, had they been up 10 and that lead would have wilted away, Carolina would have lost. It almost happened to Carolina last year in the same building when they were up 14 with six minutes to go and had to hang on and win the game. Mm-hmm. So just a year later, Carolina's in the exact same position 
but they're 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 fin- you know they're finding ways to 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 get these types of wins and so um you know and, and I don't think it's an accident that they're one of the older teams in college basketball and there's a reason why they're not panicking when you've got a 25 year old a 23 year old and a 22 year old in your starting lineup they've seen just about everything this sport has to offer but I think it's one of the things that you 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 like about this team is that even in in a close game, no matter if it's at home, no matter if it's on the road, you trust them to find a way to win the game, and that's something we haven't been able to say in years past. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that even some of these guys that we're talking about, I mean, they weren't able to do it in the past, but now you're starting to see it. Now, I started seeing it last year from R.J. Davis. Um, I, there was a you know point before he ends up injuring his finger where. I mean, he was doing almost the exact same things, and it was the reason why, if he stays healthy, that team probably doesn't end up, you know, with with the scenario that they do at the end of the season. But, I mean, to see the way that Harrison Ingram just continues to step up, like now, this is is who this dude is. Like, you would expect he's a guy now that's going to get 13, 14 rebounds at least Per game, he's averaging over eleven rebounds per game in ACC play. He's I mean, averaging more rebounds crazy. than points in it, conference play. I mean, it's it's crazy, and I mean, it, you, you saw again down the stretch in this game, key rebounds, key block, just I, I mean, a, a, a couple of key shots, like everything that you need to see from him is there. There's there's points in the game we saw it today. There where there's points where you're just frustrated with some of the things that are happening out there. With him, he's making mistakes, but he always seems to find a way late in the game to step up. Armando Baycott, another one of those days that people are very critical of. Uh, a lot of seen a lot of people on social media don't really even understand what he's what he's doing out there at this point. Find somebody else to step into his role because he's not contributing. I don't really understand what people are actually watching because again down the stretch of the game, steps up, alters shots. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's just he does the little things that you need to do on both ends of the floor. He sets those screens that help guys get to the basket. That I mean, who do you think was setting the screens that were allowing these guys to get downhill and finish at the rim it, to start the second half? It was Armando Baycott. Like, so you're seeing all these, these guys – that are veterans that are stepping up for you. And like you said, after a while, once you do it consecutively, it's it becomes just a rhythm for these guys. Okay, we're, we're in a close game with six minutes to go. Okay, we're in a close game with four minutes to go. Now, today, okay, we're in a, a really close game with a minute to go here. We have to find a way to close this one out, unlike some of the other ones that we were unable to close out earlier in the season and and they step up and get the job done. Yeah, and I, it's it's uh it's 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 fun to watch. Um and, and you know, I think it's I've said it. I I like being old. And I think you're starting to see these other high-profile programs are starting to realize that in in today's version of the sport, man, it pays off to have some of these older guys. And look, it's going to change. With the COVID year almost being being away, um, you know, R.J. Davis is the the only like you know his class of players. The only is the last group that has that 
that option to come back for a super senior type of season. Um, but we saw how important it was to, to San Diego State's run last year and their run in the national championship game. And it's a big reason why Carolina is where they are today, now sitting at 17-3, and 9-0 in league play. Stat of the game, I went free throws because um, Carolina was plus 14 at the charity stripe. They were 19 of 24, 79%. Um, Florida State was just 5 of 11. And, look, you got to credit Carolina for getting there. Um, in the second half, they were 9 of 10. Um, you, you know, you're, you're looking or you're talking about getting into the bonus at the 13 or so minute mark in the in the second half. I don't know if 10's a good enough number to, to, to justify shooting only 10 free throws when you got into the bonus that early. But you got to like the fact that Elliot Cadeau stepped up in a big way today, scoring those 16 points, and eight of them came from the foul line on nine attempts. His best free throw shooting performance um, by far in a game where he's taken, you know, the, you know that volume of free throw shot. And you know there must have been a lot of what the fart are you doing at halftime because there was a different energy from Carolina coming out in the second half where they got they they got the ball and they ran it down the other end and ran to the front of the rim and 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 and, and drew contact then it stopped and i think that's something that i think is what Hubert Davis has to like about these wins is it, it they're they're leaving enough on the court for you to get back in the film room you know when they get back home tonight and first thing sunday morning and say we can still get better we can still play better because Carolina quit attacking. That's the biggest reason why this game became a game again. Um, Carolina built a double-digit lead. I think they got us like 66-56. to 56, And all of a sudden, we went back to shooting jump shots. And to me, that's, that's a good coaching moment for Hubert Davis. Where, you know, when he reevaluates himself, he's got to be able to say, you know, you get four free timeouts with the media timeouts in the second half. The message was received at halftime, but the message was, wasn't was received the last 12 or so minutes of the ball game. You're just lucky that you were able to get there early enough to help you build that lead and be able to, to hold off. And you got to like that Cadeau getting 8 of 9 from the foul line. you got to feel like that'll be really good for his confidence because – you got to have him scoring the ball in a variety of different ways for this team to reach their, uh, you know, the, 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 and be, and to become the best version of themselves. Get to our overall takeaways before we get to our discussion topic. Um, you know, and we'll just kind of piggyback off the second half. Carolina scored on 11 of their first 13 possessions. And conversely, they held Florida State. They just thought, they, they just shot 38% in the second half after shooting well above 50 in the first half. And this has been a theme that I think we've seen from this team. You know, you had the big run against Wake Forest in the second half on Monday night. You go back to Boston College and you got up, I think, by nine in the first minute and a half or so of that second half. This group has the ability to make a to make a run uh, to coming out of the break. And kind of like closing games and making winning plays, and in, 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 you know, in crunch time, this is starting to become a part of their identity. Where I think, as as Carolina fans, we expect them to come out and start fast, and they needed it today because down five on the road in that environment 
against a desperate type of team. You knew the first four minutes were going to be the most important. It was probably going to determine the outcome of the game. And with the way Carolina came out of the gate, it put them back in a position to earn a win on the road. Yeah, and again, all the credit, I mean, of course the players have to be involved, but a lot of the credit has to go to Hubert Davis and this staff because clearly whatever they are doing at halftime is working because we've seen it over and over again. There's so many different times this year that we've seen from this group. At halftime, you go in and you ask, you know, oh, are they actually going to be able to fix what happened in the first half? And yet every single time, you see it almost immediately. It's not, hey, we got to come out and really settle ourselves back into the game. We're still doing some of the ugly things that we've been doing. And then midway through the second half, oh, now it's finally clicking. No, it is the from the word go, completely different team. And, I mean, that's the thing that you got to like is that these guys just realize – when they have bad first halves, what they need to correct, how they need to correct it, and typically they do it. I mean, look, first couple of possessions out of the gate, Florida State came out, scored pretty easily. You thought, okay, it, it's th- th- this could be another one of those types of halves where it could go back and forth. But Carolina was able to ratchet it up defensively, did a much better job of running that team off the three-point line, really did a great job of contesting just about everything from the perimeter. And, you know, with with the way they were playing defensively, that was really the reason Carolina was able to win this game. Yes, that run that you made because you were able to get to the basket was huge. But if you don't play the way that you did defensively in the second half of this game, then you don't end up winning this game because – you, you did not do enough offensively in the second half to put the distance between you that you needed to. So, again, credit to these guys. They just continue to realize that, you know, if they have these down first halves, it's almost, I'm not going to say they, they, they purposely come out slow, but they know that, hey, coming out of the gate to start these games, you know, if we don't get off to the start that we necessarily want to, there's no need to panic. There's no need to try to be, you know, scramble and fix things immediately right there. We have a halftime to settle ourselves down, get things figured out, and come back ready in that second half because we know once we come out of that break, we're going to hit this team in the mouth. Well, I mean, I think if you were if you were a Florida State fan today and you looked at the halftime score as well as you played offensively and to be up five – Probably didn't feel good about your chances. Well, especially because uh, you were pretty... Basically, you were looking at a very similar game to the first matchup. Yeah, well, except it was Carolina built the big first lead, it goes away, and then they rebuild the second lead, and they they hold on, but... Um, you know, if you're going to score, you know, 41 in the first half on this Carolina team, and you're going to shoot over 50% from the field and make seven threes, you probably want to be up more than five, which is why, and I, and I put it out in the tweet, like, you, you, you clean up your turnovers, you defend the three-point line better, the game's there to be won. And Carolina did a much better job because you had 12 first-half turnovers compared to just five in the second half. And, you know, Carolina had to waste two timeouts trying to break the full-court press. Um, and the first one, I think, you know, not not too big a deal. 
Maybe they got caught by surprise, whatever. The second one um, was as animated in the huddle. We've seen Hubert Davis coaching his kids. Um, We've seen him be animated on the sidelines, you know, complaining about a foul, asking for a stop, motioning him to get up the floor. But typically, whenever he's in the huddle doing his coaching, we see it from Twitter telling us, "Oh, he's coaching." Well, in this instance, they didn't go to they didn't go to commercial, and you see him look at all five starters, and then the guys that were playing off the bench, and he's pointing his finger at them because you could obviously tell from his message being conveyed, "We've practiced this. You know what to do." Why the fort aren't you doing it? Well, t- he was yelling at somebody to go get the ball. Because well, and that was no, everybody problem. was standing um, for a minute, and it, and Woj, Paxton Wojcik was like, "Where do I go here? There's nowhere to go with the ball. You have to move in and, order to free yourself up." And now, uh, you know, an adjustment that needs to be made is we run to the corner to get the ball. Yes, um, that's the last place you want to you want to go to. I mean, they've gotten lucky. It hasn't really cost them in terms of an actual turnover when they've been pressured like that. But yeah, I don't I, th- that never makes sense to me. That's I, I mean, I'm not gonna say basketball 101. No, but that's it's probably basketball. like 102, 103. No, it's, it's 101. Close. I was taught that in rec ball because you you see a press defense in rec ball. You don't run to the corner. That's not uh, day one. That's like day three. You know. Okay. I, I I played basketball. It was it was day one press break. Okay. So you got to look. Use a big man. Free somebody up. But um, you, you know that 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 was that was a problem in the first half. You got and you even had a five second violation, which um, you play with two point guards should never happen. So and you even had three point guards on the floor at times. You know, in the second half, so um, you know, you 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 gotta like the way they responded defensively. I thought they competed harder. I think a lot of it was, I think we all knew Florida State isn't capable of shooting that well for forty minutes. And um, not to say that Carolina didn't make tactical changes because they they did, but it wasn't like in the first game where you used your press to overwhelm them. I thought the the best thing they did in the second half was they defended without fouling. And they were able to contest and alter shots um, and and not foul. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Armando's value has really come in is, yes, he hasn't had the best offensive games here recently. Today he wasn't a force on the glass. But look how many shots he was involved in 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 and at the rim. And he's not committing fouls. And, you know, he had a couple blocks that, again, he doesn't make that play a year ago. Um, and so the thing you have to like about this group is this was the first time in this stretch of games where their defense got exposed, if you will, and it was, okay, how are you going to respond after not being dominant on that end of the floor? Well, you respond with giving up 27 points on 38% shooting. Well, it's back-to-back games, right? Because, I mean – to a certain extent, Wake, Wake Forest, Forest was at 34, 33, 35, 34. Like, and you knew that game was going to be that way because they're the best or second best offensive team in the league. I mean, but still, that was really the first time in how long that we had seen them have moments in the half court defensively where you were like, they can't really get a stop here for a stretch. And today, you saw you you saw it yet again. It was very similar. And I don't look. I don't think. 
anybody was panicking because we had seen this before with this same team. We had seen Florida State do this before. Great first half shooting, especially from beyond the arc. Second half, they struggled. So we'll, I, I, we'll have to see it you know, as, as you get to the back half of this conference schedule, which will be against much tougher teams. But at the same time, I mean, you, you, yeah, I, I think you knew Florida State wasn't going to be able to shoot that well in the second half. But this team definitely stepped it up again defensively on that end of the floor and and I mean look this is this is a Florida State team the reason that they were able to you know keep themselves in the game and eventually make a run to get back into it was because of how well they offensive rebound Wake Forest not a team that was capable of doing that but I I think you know again this this every time you question this team and say oh is this is this the game where they're going to revert back to you know either not rebounding which i mean we haven't really had a game like that that i can remember so but especially Kentucky. especially d- defensively you've a- had those moments where there's halves where you say is okay okay is this where the defense is going to start to struggle uh, again, maybe a little bit. Is this one of those games where you're going to have an off night defensively? This team always seems to find a way to reel it back in and get some stops. Big reason why Carolina won today's game, um, their backcourt was dynamic. They combined for 40 points, that being R.J. Davis and, and Elliot Cadeau. And um, if you don't follow Elliot Cadeau's mom on Twitter, she's a great follow. And, and she quote tweeted, I think it was the final score of the game or, or something about the win. And she put in quotations, basically mocking everyone that said that that her son and, and R.J. Davis couldn't start together in the backcourt, which, you know, was a realistic concern. Brendan Marks made that known in the preseason that he didn't know how much they would pair well together. Um, they fit just fine. They fit like a glove. And, and so, Mama Cadeau, you can talk your talk because your son is as good as advertised and we wouldn't be where we are today without him. Um, I thought his aggressiveness in the second half was the tone setter because if you're seeing a, a freshman on the road in that environment play that way, play that 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 unafraid, there's no excuse for you not to play with that same type of energy effort um, as well. And, you know, he's learning that there aren't many guards in this conference that can guard him. His first step is legit. It's real. Um, it, it'll be what will allow him to thrive at this level and at the NBA level until that jump shot becomes more consistent and a lot more fluid. You know, they Florida State adjusted. They put a, 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 a longer wing on him and was able to kind of take away his ability to drive and finish at the rim. But you got to love how tough he was driving to the hole, finishing through contact, drawing fouls, and then living at the foul line. And then for R.J. Davis, you're really starting to see the fire come out of him. You go back to Monday night where he he hit a shot in the lane, got fouled, was laying on the floor with just a passionate, you know, just yelling, celebrating what he did today. Whenever he made the shot to make it 72-68, to Carolina got the stop on the other end, Makes two free throws to make it seventy four sixty eight. This guy's giving the the you know the hush uh, sign to the crowd and quieting the crowd. 
Um, and, and that's you haven't seen that from him. You know, really before this year, where he's just that fiery emotion, you know, and, and making it known to you know the opponents and everything like that. So um, you look at this game. Cadeau doesn't need to score every game, but there are games that he needs to put the ball in the basket. Those types of games are when Armando Baycott isn't scoring and maybe Cormac isn't scoring. You've got to have that second, third scorer step up. Today that was Elliot Cadeau, and his maturation has been as fun to watch as anything individually on this team. Yeah, and it's becoming more and more common, and it's a big part of why when you know we talk about how aggressive this team is getting to the basket – He's been a big reason why Carolina has been more aggressive here recently at being able to do that. Um, you know, he, it, it's it's just part of him being comfortable. I think it's taken some time, as you would expect, and we've seen that multiple times before when it's come to eventually great point guards that go to Carolina. It takes a little bit of time for them to adjust to being a point guard that's playing in the type of system that they have to play in. And 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 the other one is, frankly, just playing for this university. So I, I think now that you're seeing him settle in, he, he's doing what was always his strength, even at the high school level. He was always quicker than everybody else. So beating guys to the basket is just his thing. And now if, if, if he can find a way to make what, he was able to do today at the foul line more consistent, then, I mean, it's it's going to be incredibly difficult to stop him because that that's only going to feed into him getting to the lane more, being, you know, more confident with the ball in his hands to go to the basket more often than, say, having to give it up every single time to R.J. Davis or to Cormac Ryan or something like that. So I think today really only helps him. Now, I mean, the thing is, is that as you said, you know, they did throw a longer player at him, a big, uh, that was able to do a good job of taking away the lane after, you know, he had a great start to that second half. He'll eventually figure out how to counter it. And one of the ways that he will eventually be able to counter it is when he finds a shot. If that could come along at some point, during this season, that could really take things to the next step. Like, yeah, Cormac Ryan coming along would be great, but if Elliot Cadeau could do it too, that could sort of supplement that to a certain extent. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe that's something that could be on the horizon here, but it seems like he's really comfortable right now with just getting to the basket. And then, I mean, with R.J. Davis, like, yeah, the emotion that you're starting to see from him, I think it's, you know, kind of a reflection on some of the other guys on this roster. I think at some point, you know, RJ just continues to see, uh, you know, each and every game the same mentality from Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan, no matter how they are playing. And I, I think, you know, this is a season that has become a lot of fun for him. And he realizes how special of a year this is. I think, you know, early on in the season, there was probably some pressure on RJ that he had put on himself because in his mind, he might think this is his final year. Um, you know, who, who really knows? You never, I mean, you, you can't really tell, especially when guys have this extra COVID year, what they're ultimately going to do. But, you know, he may feel like he, he, he probably did, along with, with uh, Armando Baycott a little bit, that they had to make up for what happened last year. 
And so for them, they, their focus was just so locked in on, hey, find a way to get off to a great start. Okay, once you get into conference play, don't let what happened last year happen to you. And now that they've gotten to the point where they realize that this is a really, really good team, I think you're starting to see RJ sort of loosen up just a little bit. And, you know, it also helps when you're hitting the type of shots that he's been hitting lately that allow him to celebrate the way uh, that he has. So it's it's amazing to watch. He is such a fun player to watch. And to see the emotion come out of him, he's a, he's a dude that deserves that because he's been busting his ass these last few years, and now it's finally paying off for him. I mentioned the environment. Um, Carolina now 19-8 and all-time in the Tucker Center, which... It feels like all 19 of them haven't been the easiest wins to come by. Great crowd today. Um, oh, and, yes, and they, definitely. They, they, they made it a really tough place to go on the road and win. With that being said, we're going to have a little bit of fun here because there's a man that plays for Florida State that's from the Tar Heel State, from Asheville, Deontay Green Jr., good basketball player. He's going to be a problem. Yeah, debatable. Gonna debatable. Be, no, he's a he's a good basketball the player. The man had two points and three rebounds and four fouls today. The so dude he, did not. He is not that great of a player. There's a reason why. he's not playing for this team. Yeah, look when you you're not look. He he's a good basketball player, and he's going to be a problem for Carolina and this conference moving forward. Okay. Um, but I don't I don't get. Why he it was the same thing in the first in the first game, where obviously he's mad that he went to Florida State and not North Carolina. Well, Carolina eventually, as the recruitment went on, did not want he, like he he fell off the radar because he wasn't improving the way some of the other guys were in high school. Which again goes back. He he's really not that great of a player. Well, look, look. This so is, for him to be talking the way that he was 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 interesting. Well, look. He, but he, you know, he's gonna be a good basketball player, and he's a good basketball player now. And, and look, I think there were more reasons as to why Carolina probably stopped recruiting him than than the quality of player that he is. They just don't let four stars that are in-state prospects willingly walk out of the state. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the transition, you know, with from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis, trying to figure out how you're going to fill that roster. Then you had a roster basically come back together um, to try to defend a national championship. Like some other things have, have played a role in, in why he did not end up in Chapel Hill. Yeah, his attitude may be playing a role too. But so. I, I just I, I I didn't understand it. Um, how he did not get how he not how he did not get a technical foul. Blew my mind. Well, it should have been a common foul, first of all. He he, he he literally hugs Armando to prevent him from going and getting the ball, initiating whatever that back and forth was supposed to be. He then gets in Armando's face, and I, I mean, Armando's just kind of like, what is happening here? I don't really understand. I mean, he starts saying something back. But, I mean, because eventually at some point you have to. He then turns around and starts pumping the crowd up. And, again, this was a guy that finished the game with two points and three rebounds. What a hero. Well, I mean, look. Like, that, that's his role. He's an energy guy. He's an enforcer. Yeah, did a great job. Hopefully today was a humbling lesson because, you know, look, it's, it's, it's fun competing against him. Um, and it's, it's, very, it's very fun beating him. But you know you've 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 got to do something in this league before you start chirping. 
especially at a guy like Armando Baycott, who if you have half the career that Armando Baycott has, they'll retire your number, build a statue, and darn near rename the building after you down there in Florida State. Lastly, our our discussion topic really quickly, uh, road win. Carolina State is undefeated on the road. They've now won at Pitt, at Clemson, at NC State, at Boston College, and now at at Florida State. Where does this road win rank for Carolina, um, who's now got five of them so far in ACC play? Oof. Uh, I mean, probably second best behind State. I mean, it's weird because Clemson is so it's so difficult because at the time that was that was a ranked matchup. Clemson was really good. I mean, we saw today that they, they are probably better than they showed for that that stretch um, where it it looked like they were going to take themselves out of tournament contention. So I mean, those three are probably close, but I I would probably say behind State because State was such a raucous environment. It's a rivalry game. Um, and you still won by double digits. I would say this is probably the second most impressive because this was a game that, like we said, Florida State desperately needed this game. There are not many chances to pick up signature wins in this conference. Now, I mean, there's there's a legitimate chance. And now this is John Rothstein that said this, so whatever. Take it with a grain of salt. Um there, there, there's thoughts from some people that the ACC could put two teams in the NCAA tournament, which would mean you at you have two chances to pick up big wins the rest of the year if those teams are on your schedule, if you haven't already played them for the last time this year, and that's Carolina and Duke. So you knew you were going to get Florida State's best game in this one. You took multiple punches from this team after you had them down by nine multiple times and you found a way to hold on to win, yeah, I would probably say it's the second most impressive to me. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd put it third. Um, I think the one at Clemson's the best because you were on the road, a top 15 matchup, um, and and your ability to go in that environment, in that environment, very much single-handedly probably swung their season the way that it's become. Because at the time, a lot of people thought those were the two best teams in the conference. Yeah. Um. And look, Clemson's a a really good. Well, basketball. they might be third. So Clemson's a really good basketball team. They're an NCAA tournament team. Um. And to go on the road and win that game was pretty impressive. I still have Pitt second because of what it meant. You were on the road against a team that uh, has had your number, um, and they had gotten to you mentally, and they'd gotten to you physically. And you went in there, and you got a win on the road. And, and I think that win, as much as any win, really started to build the confidence that this group now has and the group this is now playing with. So then I put Florida State here, um, you know, an improving team. What what sucks about modern college basketball is you you you're not allowed to overcome bad starts and you're not allowed to overcome a bad loss and they're going to have a, you know a hard time getting themselves into the NCAA tournament because of a bad because of a bad November um but you know this is a this is a quality team 
They're going to be in position to, to get the double bye in the ACC tournament and to go on the road and win speaks volumes about that. Then I'd have NC State and then, of course, uh, the Boston College win rounding out the bottom. Closing note before we do get out of this edition of the podcast, not his best game, but more history for Armando Baycott. Came the first Carolina basketball player to grab 1,000 defensive rebounds. So just another uh you know, another accomplishment on a long list of them for the fifth-year senior um, who is still, you know, big part of what this team has done and will be a big part of what this team will do as the season moves along. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast, guys. Before we let you go, do encourage you to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where a recap of the game has already been posted. Go back and read a little bit more in depth about Carolina's win today at Florida State. I'll be getting you ready for the Georgia Tech game. That game will come your way on Tuesday evening as I continue to take you through the hoop season. Any news and notes that comes out from Carolina football, Anthony has you covered on that front. So make sure you're staying locked in, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest Carolina basketball Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we'll pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you want to thank Anthony for hosting with me? We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. It just doesn't get any sweeter than that.